are a W-2 capitalist. You are addressing the gap between your successful, fulfilling W-2 job and building wealth for your family through real estate investing. You are ready to earn, invest, repeat. Welcome to the W-2 Capitalist Podcast. Now, let's get to work. Here's your host, Jay Helms. Hey, what's up, everybody? My name is Jay Helms, and I'm the founder of this W2 Capitalist podcast movement. And now we have this summit coming up. And I wanted to bring a, a special guest, uh, introduce you guys, because if it weren't for him, really, none of this would exist. And uh, somebody who I've looked up to for years now, uh, he is the man, he is the beard, which we were just, I was just poking <laughs> a jab at him because he has trimmed his beard, believe it or not. But he is the guy who runs the manliest podcast on the planet, and I'm, I'm happy to say that, uh, Order of Man. Ryan Mickler, welcome. Jay, what's up, brother? I'm looking forward to this conversation. I'm excited about what you're doing, and uh, yeah, honored to be a small part of it. Yeah, and so when I say I have looked up to you for years, so I was introduced to you by a friend of mine, and he and I were talking. He's actually a partner in some of the real, real estate investing deals that I have, and we were just chatting one day. I said, look, man, I... I I'm kind of getting this whole wealth building motion going in place where I really need to focus on is being a better husband and a better father. And he said, well, have you ever heard of the order of man podcast? I was like, Nope. So instantly I started downloading episodes. I think while we were sitting there chatting and that's how I got connected to you. And then from there I joined your Facebook group, your mastermind, which I'm jealous of your name with your mastermind, the iron council. <laughs> um, and then you started offering some, some classes and courses excuse me, on creating tribes and podcasts. And ultimately, if it weren't for you doing all those things, uh, we wouldn't be here, right? The W2 capitalists would not exist. Uh, and through that group um, that I was, I forget the actual tribe. I'm not in anymore. Third kid comes along. I changed jobs. Things kind of got ruffled around. Got a so, lot going on. Yeah. I'm looking forward to the day when things kind of quiet down. I can jump back into the Iron Council and get, get going. They won't but. quiet down. They never quiet down. <laughs> It only get it only gets more so. Uh, well, I don't know. I, I'm kind of looking forward to that a little bit, but uh, but anyway. Um, but if it weren't for all that, uh, you and I wouldn't be having this conversation. And you introduced me. You had uh, Tim Tim Ballard, who is the yep. founder of Operation Underground Railroad, on your podcast several years ago, mm -hmm. and then we did um, as our try as our group. Um, I forget the name of it, but our group was in the Iron Council. We were challenged to do a fundraiser and we chose Operation Iron Railroad for that. And that was a couple of years ago. So all of this coming together, I got to thank you for, for that. But that's not really what we're here to talk about, right? We're here to talk about something, your mantra, if you will, about how men are there to protect, provide, and preside for their families. So Let's dive into that a little bit because one of the things that happened recently, I had to travel. I was out of work, not out of work. I was out of town for work mm -hmm. <laughs> and my five-year-old was, I think the second night into it, uh, he was upset and he actually asked my wife because he he's getting upset. He says, but who's going to be here to protect us? And I instantly thought of Florida man. I was like, man, my, my son actually thinks or sees me as that protector. So let's right, dive yeah. into that. But I want to ask you a question first. Some, this question okay. you ask most everyone on your, your podcast, and I know you've been asked a couple of times, but what does it mean to be a man? 
Yeah, this is a question I've asked almost 300 men on the podcast now. And it's really interesting to hear these people's responses. <clears throat> and uh, without having every response in front of me, I can tell you that there's some general thread lines, which is interesting because those thread lines tend to fall right in line with what we, what we think about when it comes to being a man, which is that of a protector, a provider, and a presider, a leadership or a leader. So uh, everyone that we talk to, uh, when they share what their thoughts are, usually it falls into one, if not all of those, those camps. Uh, and, and I think this is just something that we instinctively as men know and do and want to step into and we fall short of that. Um, we feel less capable and frankly, less manly. Uh, there's a great book called Manhood in the Making by David Gilmore. And he actually went through and he uh, researched different groups, different tribes, different cultures to see what their thoughts and views on masculinity were. And some of these cultures throughout most of time and throughout all of history, uh, some that have never even been connected with or introduced to each other, think of masculinity in very much the same way, that of a protector, provider. And the third component that he found was procreation. I, I changed that to preside leader um, because, again, generally most cultures throughout all of time in history look at men as the leaders. When things go wrong, uh, generally it's the man that people look to, right? If there's emergencies, natural disasters, uh, certain threats, just like your son, who's going to be here to protect us? Your wife, I'm sure, is, is fully capable and and has some phenomenal traits, but people look to the men instinctively and inherently. So what it means to be a man is that of a protector, provider, presider. Uh, also, I would say is somebody who's capable of and has a desire to take on some responsibility, personal responsibility and accountability, and then accountability responsible for pe responsibility for people around them. So if you look at your five-year-old little boy, for example, he, he's not a man, right? He's not even expected to be. Because if he does something foolish or gets out of line or misbehaves as five-year-olds do, there's no real accountability other than maybe a scolding or a little slap on the wrist or a timeout, right? Right, right. Uh, if there's some sort of uh, some, some damage that he causes or, you know, he, whatever, whatever that damage may cause, it's going to come back to you as the man, right? So right. there is no personal accountability responsibility. This is why I've seen young, young men, 14, 15, 16-year-old young men behave more like men than some 30, 40, 50 year olds that I've seen who can't take accountability responsibility for their life. If things aren't going right, uh, it, it's somebody else's fault. It's my boss. It's my wife. It's the economy. It's the president. It's this and that, but heaven forbid they put any burden of responsibility on themselves. So again, a man is somebody who takes accountability responsibility for himself and others and is a, or at least on the path to becoming a protector, provider, and presider. Yeah. Awesome answer. Please don't ask me to follow up with that. <laughs> well, I, I've, I've said it a few times. So, you have, you have. <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, one of the things that I, I, I love about you is you articulate very well what you believe your purpose is, mm -hmm. right? And you found your purpose and it didn't come without some bumps and bruises and, and turmoil that you had to go through, but you found your purpose and you seem to have, now this is, you know, outside looking in, uh, clarity on what your life is about or should be about. Uh, matter of fact, one of the quotes I heard you, you say is you are driven to be significant. Um, you don't want to leave uh, or live an insignificant life. Can you break that down a little bit more for me? Yeah. I, you know, I don't know if, uh, I don't know if that's always necessarily a healthy thought, but that is cer certainly something I consider. I want to be significant in the lives of first and foremost, my wife and kids. I mean, that's, that's where the real emphasis lies for me. And then above and beyond that, in the lives of the people who tune into what we're doing via the podcast or our movement in some capacity. And 
really be a catalyst for growth and change. So when uh, men send me emails or messages on Instagram sharing with me how uh, they've locked down their marriage or uh, they've re rekindled the relationship or connected on a deeper level with their kids or they've lost 30 pounds or they participated in their first marathon and, and they, they give me some credit for that. Um, it's, it's very humbling. Uh, it's, and I won't take all the credit, right? You even said that we wouldn't be here if it weren't for me. I, you know, I don't know if that's true. I mean, there's plenty of people that have listened to what I'm doing and what I share that aren't willing to take action, right? So you put forth a lot of action, but to know that some of the things that we share and some of the messaging and some of the conversations that we have with some incredible guests uh, plays a small part in the lives of people is very important to me. You know, I feel like we as men have a moral obligation and responsibility to share the lessons learned, to turn around and offer a hand to those who are, are looking to grow and expand and get better and improve. Certainly that's not everybody. And I'm not here to rescue people who aren't interested in being rescued. But if there's men out there, whether it's fathers, husbands, leaders of the community, coaches, business owners, employees, entrepreneurs that feel like uh, they need some assistance and I have something that I can share or give them access to something that I have available to me, which is conversations with some of the most successful men on the planet, then why wouldn't I share that? You know, I have yeah. that, that, that moral responsibility to, to offer some assistance and guidance and help. And to those who are interested, man, I love helping them. And those who aren't, you know, maybe at some point they will be, or maybe never, but uh, we're here for those who are interested in improving as men. Yeah. And, and I have improved, at least I think I have. <laughs> um, my wife would probably joke around uh, and say, well, he's got a lot more improvement to go to, but no, she has, you said something about her being yeah, <laughs> she uh, she does have some phenomenal traits, and and I wouldn't be anywhere I'm I'm at today if it wasn't for her. Of course, and one of the things you talked about there is taking action, right? I took action to to listen to your podcast and then join your group and mm -hmm. get involved in your mastermind. So and this discussion came up in in my Facebook group the other day. Is like I was essentially I call it a handout, right? The guy was looking for some free advice, and I'm like, buddy, I don't. He wanted to wasn't necessarily free advice. He wanted to engage on uh, some one-on-one -on -one personal time. I was like, I, I don't have time for that. Like I have yeah. all these other resources and I'm not interested in, in doing that. Right. Right. Which right. caused some sort of um, debate in the Facebook group. But essentially I was trying to push the guy to see if he was willing to just take action. Right. right. He I wasn't. Yeah. And he, he didn't, he wasn't, I didn't waste any more of my time and, and I don't know what's happened to him since, but I struggle with the fact that I have all these resources and I want people to start taking action. And it sounds mm -hmm. like you've run across folks who are interested in what you're doing and interested in what you're providing, but just can't. And I don't want to say go to the edge, but go to the edge and jump, right. To take that next step. Do you run it? I'm sure you run into it a lot, but how do you convince those guys who are just on the edge to take that next step? Because as in, in real estate investing, until you really get your first deal done, you're going to be, you're, you're more than likely going to suffer from paralysis analysis. Sure. And you probably ran across this in your wealth, um, financial advising business that you used to have where people would get to this point where they need to invest in something and then they back away. Mm-hmm. What's your best advice for people who are will who are right there on the edge? They know what they need to do. They just can't find the one of the things I love that you say too is find the courage to take action. Right? How do yeah, they find that courage? Yeah. 
Uh, well, you have it. It's inherent. You just have to foster it. You know, it's like, it's like some, sometimes you think your muscles are just buried under that, uh, that extra layer of fat that you've accumulated over the past decade, right? They're there, right? Your abs are there. You just got to uncover Are you speaking them. specifically to Not me? specifically to you. I mean, I'm not going to name any names or anything here. That's no, me too, man. Like there's things that I'm afraid to take action on. I've got a, a big event that I'm planning that kind of, kind of scares me a little bit, but you know, I'm willing to take that action because I know we all can exhibit courage. I mean, that's just a choice. It really is. It's just a choice. You decide whether you're going to exert some level of, of courage. And when you do, when you take that leap, uh, you begin to develop some competence. Hmm. That's the next step. So you go from courage to competence. Like you can't be competent if you never learned how to do the thing. And you can't learn through a seminar or a book. You can learn the fundamentals, but until you apply that information, there just isn't the 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 wisdom, there's the knowledge, but not the wisdom. So you have knowledge, which is the information. Wisdom is the application of that information. So knowledge is wonderful. That's the foundation. But now you need to turn that into wisdom, which is applying what you know. Yeah. Once you do that, you start to develop some, some capacity and capability to, uh, to perform. This is competence, right? And then through that, that competence comes this next component, which is confidence. So a lot of guys ask me, hey, you know, how can I be confident enough to take risk? Well, you can't. You can't be confident in taking that step because you've never taken that step before. Mm. Now, you can rely on past experiences where you've been afraid and you've overcome that. That might help you a little bit, uh, develop some faith in yourself. Uh, you can rely on coaches and mentors, people that have gone through what you have gone through, uh, that have come out the other side unscathed and managed to build themselves into something. And you can use that as an element of faith. But as essentially, you're going to have to be courageous enough to just to take that step to take that leap. And then once you do, you can see, okay, all right, I got this. You know, a little yeah. uneasy. There's some risk, maybe some downside, maybe some losses here and there, but I'm okay. I'm steady ground. You develop the confidence and then that perpetuates. It becomes a cycle. So now you have an added level of confidence, which enables you to display more courage, greater risk, bigger, more audacious goals. You know, you, you said you used an interesting word. You said, how do you convince people to take that next step? I don't. Like, I'm not mm. here to convince anybody. Uh, it's, it, it doesn't work. Yeah. People who are not ready are not ready. And the only way that you can get them to leap is to push them, which is not really moral either. Right. Yeah. So yeah. I'm not interested in chasing people around. I'm not interested in trying to like convince people I'm right, or they should do this, but Hey, you know what, when you're ready, let me give you a couple of uh, pointers and some tips, maybe even a framework to run on. And if this serves you because you're ready, then by all means, and I've had guys come, for example, into the iron council who thought that just because they paid a few bucks a month that, you know, somehow their life would turn around and they weren't willing to do anything. These guys leave and they're upset that, you know, they didn't get anything out of it. But I'm like, man, what'd you put in? What effort did Correct. you put forth? And they come up with some reasons and most of the time some excuses. But ultimately, it's just because they didn't put in the work. And interesting enough, the, the guys who put in the work, tapped in the framework, who use the resources, who rely on each other, the other men, uh, those are the guys who get the most value out of it. So if you want something, you got to give something. This is just the law of sacrifice. You yep. cannot have until you're willing to sacrifice something. Time, energy, resources, money, attention, energy, risk. That's the cost. That's the price. That's the ticket to entry. You want to play the game? You got to pay the price. Yep. And the same with, with my mastermind is the people who have been there for over a year and put in the work they've more than doubled their real estate portfolio. Of course. Which is, of course is, they is have. incredible to see. And it's right. about 75 to 80% of the folks who've been there for a year. 
Yeah. Done that. yeah. And, I mean, if they're around that long for a year, odds are that they're doing the work and they see value yeah. and they're getting value from being there. But a lot of these guys fall out within 30 to 90 days. And it's just because they thought something was going to happen, even though they weren't willing to change anything about their lifestyle or behaviors or thoughts. It's like joining a gym, right? You think you, because yeah. if you think because you join a gym that your body and your, your muscles are going to change. No, you got to get right. in, you got to do the work. Right. Right. Uh, you, I was going to ask you, um, what's the last thing that you faced that, that, uh, you were fearful of, right. And, but you conquered that fear and you were going to take the courage to take that step. And it sounds like the big event, which I don't know if you can go yeah. into those details yet or not. I know. Uh, no, I can't go into details on that. We're working through that right now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we've decided to do a big event next year. And so, um, it's going to take a significant uh, amount of capital to put this thing together. There's going to be a lot of risk, of course, on my end, cause I have to fund it. Right. Uh, prior to knowing if it's going to work, it'll yep. work though. And again, I rely on past experiences and other things I've done to create the level of success that we've had. You know, even moving out here, I don't know whether you know or not, but I moved to Maine. Oh yeah, uh, I've been about, keeping up with you. <laughs> yeah, about seven or eight months ago from Southern Utah, which was a huge risk. You know, we knew very, very few people out here. We knew like seven people. Uh, there's no good reason for us to be out here, but we wanted an adventure. We wanted to try something new. And so, we, we invested a lot of money to come out here and partake of this adventure and the property and updating the house and getting it to our standards and where it needs to be. And uh, it's, it's been an incredible journey, ups and downs yeah. and scary parts. I remember the first week we moved here, I just I remember vividly looking at my wife and asking her with all genuineness and seriousness, like, hon, did we do the right thing? And she's, <laughs> like, she's like, I don't know. And she had the same crazy look on her face that I did. And that was a week into it, maybe two weeks into it. And since then, we haven't thought twice about it. It's just been yeah. an amazing, amazing adventure. Sounds like you stepped out of your comfort zone. Oh, completely. I mean, yeah. it would have been easy for me to... St I grew up in Southern Utah. My wife is born and raised. She's fourth generation from Southern Utah. Hmm. All of our friends there, our kids as friends. Everything that we know about life is in Southern Utah. And so for us to just pack our bags and come out here to the other side of the country posed a huge risk and took a lot of courage on her part and my kids' part and, and mine as well. So, um, I want, I was curious about the big event. I, I know you host a father mm -hmm. and son or you have in the past and uh, what mm -hmm. I think is, is an annual father and son event now? Roughly. Roughly. Uh, I, yeah, it, it, maybe twice a year, you know, but, okay. but no more than twice a year, but yeah, we've got com one coming up in June of this year. Yeah. And I'm, I'm looking when my son gets of age, I'm looking, uh, yeah, he's I've got to get in shape before that. <laughs> yeah. Nah, I mean, it, yes, it's good to yeah. get in shape, but don't let that be a reason not to come out. No, I mean, I did a, a, a seven minute hit workout this morning and, um, I'm, I'm, I need some help in that. Well, area. it's amazing That's, what, how, how, how good you can work your body out in a, ma a matter of, of seven minutes. I started jujitsu not too long ago and, you know, we roll for anywhere from six to 10 minute rounds. And it's amazing yeah. at how after 10 minutes of somebody trying to, you know, roll you, hurt you, stretch you. Yeah. kill you <laughs> like how how quickly you can get tired in 10 minutes it, it shouldn't be that way but it is it's a testament to i'm scared how, to what uh, out of shape round would look like <laughs> say that again i'm i'm scared of what a two-minute round might look well, like you just for build me. up to it right two yeah. minutes might be exhausting at first and then three minutes and four minutes and 10 minutes and then you get better at it you get, yeah get more capable of it um we're running up on time. I want to make sure we cover, you know, what the order of man is about. And one of the quotes we were talking about how you were on the London reel, I think mm -hmm. it was back in December when that released, but one Sounds of the quotes right. uh, on there was, uh, we have gone away from being strong, rugged, 
independent and tough uh, to a collection of wimpy dependent whiners. <laughs> um, I, not just men, but I, I, you know, there's a lot of focus on the millennial gener- generation and the workforce and that stuff. But I, I think you're right uh, along that side. And, and I am too, right? I am still every day. I kind of look at things and I hear stuff on your podcast and I see stuff in your Facebook group thinking, how do I relate to this, to, to my world? Mm-hmm. And am I just as bad? Right. Yeah. And the, most of the time it is yes. Right. And then I'll have to get up and I'll just face what I've learned is if I dread, if I'm dreading to do something, that's the next thing I should go do. It is. A yeah. It's a good indicator for the sure. Results that, that, that you're picking up on that trigger for me. But what does that quote, what do you actually mean by that? And how can we get back to being uh, strong, rugged, independent and tough? Yeah. I think at the core of the problem, is we are constantly looking for other people to solve our problems. And we've Back been conditioned to, to believe that they piece. will. Yeah. I mean, I wrote a book a couple of years ago called Sovereignty. And uh, in it, I outlined how we have given up a lot of the uh, power and control and authority in our own lives uh, in exchange for a little perceived safety, comfort, security. And so we give over our sovereignty to other people, our, our spouses, our bosses, the government in, in a lot of cases. And we think that because you know, we've given over that authority, that somehow the, the trade-off is that these people or individuals or, or group of individuals is going to provide for us. The problem with that is that nobody is ever going to have your interest at heart the way that you ought to have your interest at heart. And if you're, you're assigning your your control and your power and authority over your life to somebody else, they're going to do an inferior job, inevitably, an inferior job. And yep. so, but it's convenient, right? It's easy. It's easier to say, hey, you know, you provide. This is why a minimum wage is a big deal. This is why uh, welfare programs continue to expand is because it, it's, it's easier for somebody to provide the solutions than me to actually have to, you know, go out and work. Right. Uh, and, and, and carve my own path. But it's infinitely more rewarding. It's infinitely more fulfilling. And you make yourself capable in all ways. You know, the thing I see and, and what I liken it to is uh, a bird, for example, who's out in the, the wild and injures his wing. And the, the rescue organization uh, takes that bird and, and brings it in and then nurses it back to health. The whole idea is that, hey, we're just going to get you good enough where you can go back out into the wild and live your life. But if you hold on to that injured animal too long, it, it becomes accustomed to this life of ease and comfort, and then it's reintroduced into the wild and it gets destroyed. It's the same way here. And I, and I think there's a greater play here that we can maybe talk about another time. But uh, yeah, people are wrestling for your sovereignty, for your control, so they can manipulate you, so they can control you. And uh, it's your responsibility to main, maintain that, uh, the power that you have. and and be the, be the solution to your own problems. And that's what I was referring to when I talked about that quote. Yeah. And I highly recommend the book sovereignty. It's on my bookshelf, which I normally point to It's behind me, but now that I have this yeah, banner, up, the summit, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I appreciate that, man. I do. Yeah. It's a, it's a great book. It's one of those things that I need to read every year just as a reminder. Right. Is this. Yeah. Well, me too, man. We all fall into our old, all old ways of, of thinking and doing things in the, yep the the status quo so you got to fight yep. against it absolutely all right ryan I, I know we're coming up on time and you got a hard stop but your book a podcast uh iron council your blog everything even the beard can be seen and, and found out more on orderman.com 
also yeah. follow you. At, is it at Ryan Mickler? On all yeah, mo- Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all at Ryan Mickler. That's right. Awesome. Thank you very much. And again, a sincere thank you for what you do, how you do it, because I, and I know I almost said this. I was thinking about this on my way home um, to record this is that I know he, he's so freaking humble. He's not going to take credit for this and he's going to throw it back in my face about taking action. <laughs> but really, if, if you had not done what you've been doing over the last couple of years, none of this, uh, the background, none of that, the W2 capitalist, the summit that we're putting on. Uh, introduction to Operation Underground, Operation Underground Railroad. I don't know why that's a tongue twister for me, but it is. <laughs> um, all of that is because of what you do. So sincere, thank you. I appreciate thank it very you, much. Man. I'm, uh, I'm humbled to know that and glad to be a small part of it. I appreciate what you're doing and I'm certainly inspired by you as well. Thank you. That, that means more than you'll ever know. <laughs> awesome. Absolutely. I mean it. Have a good one, Ryan. I'll talk to you, you soon. You too, brother. Thank you. Thank you.